reading Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 through 18. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they would not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any circumconsciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. It is as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never be taken, can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them in their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Amen. Many of us uh, prefer to hear the good news. We are optimists, and we, we prefer to start with the good news. And my aunt needed to have a conversation like this with my father one day because of my own behavior. And so she started the conversation positively with my father. She said, the good news is that Glenn is going to be able to hit the ball a lot farther this year in Little League. The bad news? Glenn hit a baseball through the window in the back of the house. <laughs> Now, as soon as I hit that baseball through the window, I immediately ran upstairs to my room and I locked the door. <laughs> I knew that I was going to suffer the wrath of Dad because he had told me many times not to play baseball near the house. Fortunately, my aunt was able to calm my father down before he talked to me, and I am convinced that because of my aunt, my father took pity upon me. I learned something that day about the gospel of mercy and grace because of my aunt. 
The word gospel means good news. And the good news that Jesus brings to us in his church actually starts with some bad news. Let's look this morning at Hebrews chapter 10 and see some ways that the gospel is both bad news and good news. First, we see that the bad news is that nothing that you do brings forgiveness from God. The letter to the Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians who were being persecuted for their faith. These Jewish Christians were tempted to go back to the old covenant system of offering animal sacrifices in order to bring God's forgiveness. No one persecuted the Jewish Christians for doing that, so why not just go back to offering animal sacrifices? They wouldn't get in any trouble if they did that. Well, verse 1 gives us one answer as to why not to go back to animal sacrifices. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. These animal sacrifices which were required in the law that was given by Moses are called a shadow of the reality to come. God required these animal sacrifices, but this sacrificial system was designed by God to be only temporary. Something better was coming that would truly bring us forgiveness from God. Until then, animal sacrifices were simply a shadow of the reality to come. They were a shadow of the perfect sacrifice to come. When you are outside on a sunny day, you can see someone's shadow on the ground in front of you. And you can tell some things about a person by looking at their shadow. But once you look up from the ground and you see the real person who is talking to you, do you want to go back to just looking at the shadow? And that would be silly. The real person is better than the shadow. Or think of it this way. My wife and I were both missionaries in Africa, but Wendy went to Africa a year before I did after we had met at missionary training school. Now, as soon as I met Wendy, I knew that I wanted to marry her, but I met Wendy in prehistoric times. When I met her, there was actually no such things as a smartphone, and so I could not text her. There was not even any internet when I met Wendy. Can you believe that? There was a time in this world when the internet did not exist. So the only way that I was going to be able to stay in contact with this woman that I loved was through letters. And so I would take out a pen and write on a piece of paper my thoughts for Wendy. And she would receive my letters in Africa about two weeks after I had written. Now those letters were a good way for us to get to know each other. But what do you think would have happened if after I had arrived in Africa and I had spent some time with Wendy, one day I said to her, you know, it's good that we're able to see each other face to face. But I think that writing letters was better. Let's just go back to writing letters. What would she have said? Are you crazy? <laughs> writing letters was good when we had no other option. But seeing each other face to face is far better than writing letters. 
In the same way, animal sacrifices were a a good picture of the eventual sacrifice of Jesus, who would bring us true forgiveness. But there is no comparison between an animal sacrifice and Jesus our Savior. Jesus is far greater. It's like comparing the shadow with the real person. The sacrifices of animals were just a shadow of the reality of Jesus. The repeated sacrifices could never bring us final forgiveness from God, according to verses 1 and 2. Verse 1 says that these sacrifices never make perfect those who draw near to God. So what does the author mean by perfect? He does not mean sinless. That's not what he's saying. Rather, he means clean or forgiven. We see this in verse 14 where he writes, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. This offering of Jesus on the cross for us makes us clean and forgiven for all times. That one offering of Christ. Christ's sacrifice has taken our guilt and removed it from us. We are fully forgiven then because Christ died for our sins on the cross. We didn't do anything to make us forgiven. Instead, Christ did all the work. All we have to do is believe that Christ died for us. So let's compare then the sacrifice of Jesus with the sacrifice of animals. Verse 1 says that these animal sacrifices are continually offered year after year. The animal sacrifices were like a merry-go-round that never stopped. The people would sin, then they would kill an animal. They would sin, then they would kill an animal. And round and round the merry-go-round would go. That would never stop that process. So the author asks a logical question in verse 2. If offering animal sacrifices could have brought you forgiveness from God, would the sacrifices not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. That's a really good question. It's clear that these animal sacrifices didn't work. They didn't bring you full and final forgiveness from God. If they had, then you would not need to offer these animal sacrifices anymore. This is why Jesus' one-time sacrifice on the cross is so much better than those repeated animal sacrifices. But that does not mean that those animal sacrifices accomplished nothing. Verse 3 says that these sacrifices were a reminder of sins. When the people went to the tabernacle and they saw the blood of the animals sprinkled on their clothes, and then sprinkled on the clothes of the priests, and then sprinkled on all of the articles of worship, and frankly that blood was sprinkled just about everywhere that they could see. As they looked around them, they saw blood everywhere. And you know what the people said as they looked at all of that blood? They said this, I am a sinner. 
It was my sin that caused that animal to die and to be sacrificed on my behalf. Now, of course, it is bad news that I am a sinner. But it is necessary for me to believe the bad news first before I can believe the good news. In the basement of many churches, there is an organization that meets in those basements called Alcoholics Anonymous. Do you know how people at Alcoholics Anonymous introduce themselves to one another? They say, hi, my name is Glenn, and I am a what? I am an alcoholic. I am a sinner. That's who I am. I am powerless to stop drinking. The bad news of the gospel it is, is that it is not only in the basements of churches that sinners meet. Do you know where else sinners meet? Sinners meet in the sanctuary of churches every Sunday morning. That's where sinners gather. In fact, every church could call itself Sinners Anonymous. We could and perhaps should introduce ourselves to each other by saying, Hi, my name is Glenn, and I am a sinner. I cannot stop sinning. And as a sinner, there is nothing that I can do to bring me forgiveness from God. I am in desperate need of a Savior. Our desperate need for a Savior is also pointed out in verse 4. There we read, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Impossible. Animal sacrifices cannot bring you forgiveness from God. But a person in Moses' day might have said, well, didn't God tell me to do this? Didn't he tell me to bring in animal sacrifices to seek God's forgiveness? Didn't God say that in the law? Yes, he did. But it was impossible for those animal sacrifices to bring you full forgiveness from God. Those animals, unlike Jesus, did not volunteer to die for your sin. They were unwilling victims. They had no idea why they were being slaughtered. You need then a better sacrifice for your sins to bring you forgiveness. And today, I would say to all of you as well, it is impossible not just for animal sacrifices to bring you forgiveness. It is also impossible for you to do some good deed, to do some religious ritual, to do something that would impress God enough to bring you forgiveness. It can't be done. Every effort that you make to please God by yourself is not enough. Is that bad news or what? That's horrible news. We are in deep trouble because of our sin before God. There is nothing that we can do. No religious ritual can make God forgive us. So what's the good news regarding all of this? We'll see the good news beginning in verse 5. But before we read the description of the gospel in Hebrews chapter 10, 
Let me explain the difference between a religion of good works and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tim Keller says that religion operates on the principle of, I obey, therefore I am accepted by God. But the basic operating principle of the gospel is this. I am accepted by God through the work of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I obey. Do you see the difference between the two? Isn't it wonderful? I am accepted by God not because of anything that I do. I am accepted by God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It is Christ's work not my good works that brings me forgiveness from God. And now that I am forgiven and accepted by God, I do good works out of gratitude and love for God. That is the good news of the gospel. And so the gospel, the good news, is that what Jesus did on the cross brings me forgiveness from God. We see the difference between animal sacrifices and Christ's sacrifice in verse 5. In this verse, the author of Hebrews begins quoting from Psalm chapter 40. And even though King David was the author of Psalm 40, Hebrews says that David in this psalm is making a prophecy about what Jesus would say when he came to earth as a man. And what does Jesus say after his incarnation in verse 5? Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Jesus says to God, Father, I know that you are not really interested in animal sacrifices. That's not what you want. But what you really want is a human sacrifice. And so you have prepared a body for me. It's the body of Jesus that will pay for our sins. It's the body of Jesus sacrificed for us that will finally bring us forgiveness. Verse 10 says, We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. So how are we made holy? How are we forgiven and made clean? Through the body of Jesus. For this reason, Jesus said to his disciples as he passed out the bread on the night of the Last Supper, these words from Luke chapter 22 and verse 19. Let's read those words together out loud. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus then quoted from Psalm 40 as he prepared for his death. It was his body, broken for us, that would bring us forgiveness from God. Unlike an animal sacrifice, Jesus instead offered himself willingly. He was a willing victim. Jesus says in verse 7, I have come to do your will. Church, this is love. Jesus willingly laid down his life for you so that you might be forgiven of your sin. A pastor's wife, who was about 40 years old, was dying of cancer. 
She had been a woman who was full of life and energy, but the chemotherapy treatment that she was taking had taken away most of her energy. She had given it everything she could in order to stay alive, but she knew that the end was near. And so in her exhaustion, she turned to her husband one day and she said, this is just too hard. I cannot believe that a good God would let me go through all of this. I guess God doesn't really love me. She then paused for a few seconds before she continued. And when she continued, she preached the gospel to both herself and to her husband. She said, no, that cannot possibly be true that God does not love me. I know God loves me. How did she know it? She said, he loves me because God gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. That's how she knew that she was loved by God. Even if you get sick then, or you lose your job, or you go through mental illness, or you have a family crisis of some kind, you can still know no matter what that God loves you. How do you know that? Because God gave you his very best gift to reconcile himself to you after you sinned. And what is that gift? Jesus. Jesus willingly offered up his body for you so that you might be forgiven by God. This is love. It is love that no circumstance can ever take away from you. And because Jesus offered his body as a sacrifice for you, there is no more need for animal sacrifices. We see in verse 9, he does away with the first in order to establish the second. God does away with animal sacrifices. Because the sacrifice of Jesus is better. Jesus' sacrifice brings us full forgiveness. Now we know that the priests in Moses' day could not bring us final forgiveness from God because of what we read in verse 11. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. The priest's work was futile. It never stopped. By contrast, verse 12 says that when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus sat down because he had successfully completed his work. He had brought us forgiveness by, from God by means of his one sacrifice. He had cleansed us of all of our guilt. And where did Jesus sit? At the right hand of God. That is the fulfillment of what David had prophesied about Jesus the Messiah in Psalm 110 in verse 1. Let's read that verse together. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The right hand of God is a position of power and of judgment. 
Jesus is now waiting for the last act in the story of this world. He is waiting for the last part in the story of redemption. And what happens at the end of the story? Jesus returns to earth to save his people and to judge his enemies. Jesus then is both savior and judge. There are two animals that symbolize Jesus in the New Testament that reveal his roles as savior and judge. Brought a picture of those two animals this morning to remind you of who Jesus is. Jesus is both lion and lamb. Jesus is called the lamb of God. He is the sacrificial Passover lamb who takes away our sin and brings us forgiveness. But that is not all that we know about Jesus from the New Testament. He is also the lion of the tribe of Judah, who will one day at the end of time destroy all of his enemies. He will destroy sin, sickness, death, pain, Satan, guilt, addiction, injustice, and violence. Jesus is the lion who will destroy all of these enemies. Are you looking forward to that day? I am. It's going to be a great day when the enemies of Christ and our enemies are also completely defeated. Now, some, Sometimes we as Christians only look at Jesus as either lion or lamb. We see him only as the lamb who takes away our sin. Or we see him only as the lion who crushes our enemies and his enemies. But Jesus is not either or. Jesus is both lion and lamb. Don't forget it. You need Jesus to be both your lion and lamb to save you and bring you forgiveness. The good news of the gospel is that the Holy Spirit assures you today that you are really forgiven. Verse 15 speaks about the Holy Spirit's role in inspiring the words of a new covenant that gave it, uh, rather that Jeremiah gave in the Old Testament, this new covenant that God would make with his people. These words from Jeremiah are quoted in verses 16 and 17. Now, what is the bottom line of the new covenant according to verse 17? We read it there where he says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. The difference between the old covenant of animal sacrifices and the new covenant of the sacrifice of the body of Jesus is found here. The animal sacrifices did not bring about final forgiveness from God. But when Jesus was sacrificed on the cross, our sins were finally and fully forgiven. God doesn't even remember our sins anymore. So you know what would happen if you prayed to God one day and you said to him as a Christian, God, do you remember that sin that I committed a few hours ago. Do you know how God would respond to that prayer? Do you know what he would say if you truly confessed that sin and repented of it? Nope. 
I have no memory of what you're talking about. I have completely forgotten any sin that you have committed. Isn't that good news? Isn't that amazing news? That God would choose to forget our sin. What a gracious and compassionate God we have. We can come into God's presence whenever we want. Because we are clean and forgiven. And because we are completely forgiven by God for all of our sins. We have no more need for animal sacrifices, according to verse 18. The days of animal sacrifice, those days are over. Jesus is a much greater sacrifice. The good news of the gospel is that his sacrifice has brought us complete forgiveness from God. Earlier I had mentioned that it is bad news for us that there is nothing that we can do. There is no sacrifice that we can offer, no good deed we could perform that would bring us forgiveness from God. We cannot save ourselves. We need someone else to save us and forgive us. I want you to realize as we close today that this might seem like bad news, that there's nothing I can do to bring me salvation or God's forgiveness but this is actually really good news. How so? It is not up to me at all to bring me God's forgiveness. I could never do enough to make the holy God pleased with me. So who's it up to then to bring me forgiveness? Who's it up to to bring me salvation? Jesus and Jesus alone. My purity, my cleanness before God, my forgiveness all come from the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That is good news. If you know then that you need forgiveness from God today, trust that Christ's sacrifice and his sacrifice alone can bring you that forgiveness. Don't trust in yourself or any good work you might be able to do. Only Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross can you bring you full and final forgiveness from God. Let's pray together. Jesus, what a great sacrifice you are. Thank you for coming to earth and offering up your body on our behalf, willingly for us, because of your love for us. How grateful we are that you have brought us this forgiveness. And how grateful we are that there is nothing that we can do to bring us forgiveness or salvation. We need to completely rely and depend upon you and thank you that we can. Thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you are good, and thank you that your sacrifice, Jesus, cleanses us from all our sin. Amen.